we love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? Welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast, where we help you get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? I'm Joe. And I'm Josh. And today on the episode, we have Londi. Londi, what is up? Hey, man. What's going on? Thanks for the invite. This is awesome. Yeah. Can you pronounce your last name in a very thick accent? I could. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So just say Bracali is good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that. Uh, <clears throat> remember that Chapa Broccoli song from Dana Carvey? No. And his stand up. All right. Well, do it. Do it. It's good. So we were talking right before the podcast, and uh, Lonnie was telling this fun story about getting a new phone with his daughter. And she was basically, and I thought this was really funny because I saw this on an episode of Goldberg's and I thought, how funny is that? That doesn't happen in real life. But uh, on this episode of the Goldberg's, the main character is trying to convince his parents to do something and he's put together a video presentation to show them. Mm. And you were saying, this is kind of what your daughter That's did. exactly what she did. It's hysterical because she's been obsessed with us getting a new phone. Of course, I can give a crap about <laughs> the new phone. You know, cause for me, it's like, you know, the monthly nut's going to go up. Yeah. But she's 13. And so but the phone is absolutely everything. It's her world. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? It's yeah. It's her thing. Um, yeah. So she was, you know, I, I pick her up from school. I take her in the morning <clears throat> and one of the things we're driving you know, to school and, uh, we usually do our, our lessons of the day and that kind of thing. And she's like, so, um, I was thinking about this phone. I'm like, uh, yeah. So what's your budget? And she's 13 asking me for a budget. <laughs> and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm already in trouble. She's 13. I am <laughs> going to be in trouble. But uh, so I said, hey, you know what? As close to free as we can get. That's the answer. That's my budget. So long story short, she um, she took that information and uh, the phone that we had at the time and researched it. One day I'm making dinner. I'm like the primary cook at home. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretend chef. I don't know. Well, that's another story. That's another podcast. A pretend <laughs> chef. That's another podcast. Yeah. Um, and she's like, so after dinner, I have something to, you know, for, for you guys. So we eat, we're cleaning up and this and that. She goes, so she calls a meeting. She calls a meeting on the dining room table with her laptop and she created a presentation about these phones. <laughs> Love it. And three options. She only gave us three choices. And at the end, she's like, so what's the best one for you? <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Was I mean, she's selling, making, she's she making selling, me yeah. decide now. And then we're just like, okay, so she's set the appointment and go see it. She's trying to close the sale. She's 13. Come on. <laughs> Where did she learn this? I don't know. Must be dad. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's kind of what you do, right? Like you, you help people with sales. I do. Yeah. I help them make more money than they ever thought possible at a higher profit margin. Yeah. And the name of your company is? Uh, it's Cambiari Business Solutions. Oh, what is the translation of Cambiari? Cambiari. Cambiari. I love the <laughs> I love, oh, you guys are good. good. I just sound like racist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you still smell like garlic, Joe, so you work. You know, I ooze garlic. Is that you? I I, I ooze garlic, uh, olive oil, and red wine from my pores. You're going to live forever. (laughs) And no vampire friends, right? Well, you know, I can't talk about that. Anyway. So, um, so it means to change. Mm. 
in Italian, it means to, or Spanish too. It's, it, yeah. It's, they're very similar. Come, so it means to change. So the subtitle is think differently. That's what I'm kind of known for is to I get people to think. So, and why is that? Why was that the name? Um, if you think about this, as far as answering your question about helping people with sales, well, I help people think differently about it. So in other words, in a simple form, think about this. This is kind of interesting. We are, are, are taking conversations and converting them into clients. But how do we do that? It's all uh, in really it starts and ends in your mind. Yeah. It starts in your head. So we are all here. Even those of you listening are where you are in, in, in life or even in this moment in the day based on your current and past behavior. So if you're trying to do something different, improve your sales numbers or close rates or profit, whatever it might be, or trying to even trying to accomplish a goal, you can't do it in your current state because that's what got you where you are now. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? If you think about this, it makes a lot of sense. Why do most people fail at their goals? What do you think? What's the answer? I wish we could take calls for this, but right now, right. we can't, we can't do that. Caller one, you are on the air. What, what do you think? What, what do you I think, think a, a couple of the downfalls? Why do most people a, not? My first guess would be that the, <clears throat> the reason that most people fail at their goals is because when they don't start getting traction towards the goal, they don't change their behavior. So they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, or they don't focus on the process that's going to get them to the goal. So it's kind of more like a dream. Like I think a lot of people set goals like I'm going to do this and they'll throw it out. I'm going to read a hundred books this year. That happens to be one of my goals. So I have to break that down and know that I've got a clear two a week if I'm going to hit that goal. And so my goals become a little bit more actionable because I can think about them in terms of weeks. And I think some people put these future goals out there and then they give themselves every excuse in the world to make no progress against it because it's that's later this year, man. Mm. Also could be self-sabotage things that you just see people that are successful and earlier in your life, maybe it's psychological and you don't want to succeed. And maybe, you know, maybe you think you do or you want to, but on the surface, but under the surface, you've got like issues that prevent you from becoming free and successful and strong in that sense, right? There's something deeper too. It is very deep. So those are okay answers. Not what I'm looking for, but they're in the right direction. <laughs> sure. Sure. Hey, so, good. so think about this now. And I've said this in front of groups of hundreds of people. So, I mean, I like to do these things live so you can see like the show of hands and you can kind of see where everybody's at. But if you think about it, let's pretend we have a legitimate goal that we have, that we're seeking out. Meaning that it, it passes the litmus test because a lot of people don't write goals correctly anyway. Well, let's pretend for the moment that they did. And it's legitimate. It makes a lot of sense. They believe they can do it. They're right. They're reading the books. They're going to the seminars, meeting the right people. And in some cases, they're getting a second degree. I mean, they're committed to do it and they believe they can do it. <clears throat> but why is it that the needle only moves a little? Because think about it. We live in a country where we don't have, we don't lack access to information and knowledge. We can get it. Right. But, know. but even with that, as, as, as much as we can get our hands on, we only get golden nuggets. We don't really knock it out of the park. And the answer is because when you were writing and thinking about those goals, those accomplishments, whatever that might be, they could be the sales goals. It could be whatever it is. You wrote those 
in that moment, in your current state that again, in your, in your current state, you, you have arrived because of your current and past behavior. Goals are in the future. You haven't been there yet. And you're writing them in today and you're thinking right now. You don't know what the future is. You haven't been there. If that was something that you really thought through and think, believe you can do it, you'd be there already. So what that means, you have to start changing your, the way that you think to get to someplace you haven't been before. Yeah. Because you are at this place because of what you know. But don't forget, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And that is in the future. I was listening to an audio book. You don't know that yet. So this is what, what my program does. This is the mental boot camp. I'm yeah. not kidding when I say this. We have to go backwards before we go forward. So we have to do this mental teardown and start forming a rebuild because we're creating new neural pathways and ways of thinking yeah. that haven't existed before that, which now opens up doors you didn't have before. So we're changing the lens of how you view things in your current reality because your current reality is only going to get you where you are now you can't see beyond that you're not capable of getting there that's why most people fail right why doesn't higher ed know this well i think they kind of do because you know what that's how they make their money let's be honest Mm -hmm. um so uh in order to get what we what we want we have to understand what it is that we want focus on what that is focus on that have a burning desire for that but also understand we need to start thinking differently about getting it because your current state isn't going to make it happen. Yeah. Now, a thousand years ago, well, actually it's in the twenties, uh, twenties, thirties. Um, there's a book. Everyone's probably read it. Napoleon Hill, of course, think and grow rich. Right. <clears throat> but you know, what's interesting about that book, think and grow rich. I haven't read that for a long time. I'm, I'm probably due to reread it again. Mm-hmm. The title, think about the title, mm-hmm. think and grow rich. Do you ever, it's, that's the giveaway. Right. Think and grow rich. It's all about between the ears. It's ha- what's happening in your mind. And here's proof. This is pretty strong, but think about it. I think about in your, in the last week, even the last couple of days, what you focused on in the last couple of days is what you're going to find. And you start seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, like we thinking like when you buy a new car, everybody's driving your car. And you start you, seeing it you everywhere. You're thinking about it until now that's all you see. You see them all over the place. Now, here, here's another great point about proving this theory to be true. Everything has been built twice. Yeah, so explain that. Everything has been built twice. The room that we're in right now, the studio that we're sitting in has been built twice, maybe more. Because it right. started in a thought. Because I sat in this corner and thought what I wanted to do to the floor and the wall. And you started. And I started thinking what color I wanted to paint it. It started <clears throat> in your mind before it became a reality. Mm. Goals aren't any different. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. So these are the type, type of things that we that we uh, bring to fruition. Yeah. When you were talking earlier, it reminded me of an audiobook I was listening to Tim Ferriss and uh, it was the four hour work week. And he had a quote in there. It wasn't like one of the main headings or anything, but it was just like another thing he said in context, but I actually paused it and just thought about it for like an hour. Cause I thought, man, that's so good. It was simple. It was just, if the recipe sucks, it doesn't matter how good of a cook you are. I love that. And I was thinking when you were talking, that's kind of what you do. Like yeah, Exactly right. That's that's brilliant, by the way. Can I yeah. use that? Can I steal? It's Tim Ferriss. You can steal it. Yeah. I give you permission because I just did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If the recipe, the recipe sucks. Yeah, that's true. 
So again, it's all about the ingredients, right? Also that one of my favorite definitions of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But, 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 but people aren't really consciously aware of this. Right. And, and here's what's going on in the background that people don't really think about. Really. We have the conscious mind active and the subconscious mind is always active, never mm-hmm. stops. It always, it also keeps us safe. That's a natural reaction. So if you're going to go out and do something you haven't done, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable, right? We've all been there. Right. And when we start doubting or questioning, your subconscious brings you back to where you, where you're comfortable, where you've been. It's safer. Right. And that's the other thing. So we're battling old scripts and trying to create new ones, but it's really, really hard to do that if you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So again, this is a mental exercise. This is conditioning, mental conditioning. That's really part of the biggest part of our program is mental conditioning. I like the idea of a boot camp because, you know, if you think about the subconscious and the conscious and how the subconscious is the default, and we go back to that, the subconscious can be influenced by the conscious mind, right? So we we do that through the military does it through boot camp and why not? Exactly. The gym does it through boot camp and why not this, you know? Do you find that to be when sales training, you have to break them of their old way of thinking before you can create them anew? Yeah. And, and you know, I like the way you did your fist in the air. Yeah, that was powerful. Almost, Gosh, almost I got a, a little, little German. Iconic. Yeah, I got a little German in the way I said it. You sorry. did. You, did. You're, you were getting all German on me. I was me thinking on that. Rocky, you know, at the end, if you can change. Yeah. I'm so bad at. No, but it's, it's, it's true because we all want to get better. And, you know, there's, there's certain things that you, you have to just understand and take for what it is. I call them the natural laws. You can't fight the natural laws. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with it, but that's just going to work against you. It's your choice. That's my point. So there's a lot going on. There is no training out there like this one. I can, that I can tell you, cause I've been through almost all of them. Mm-hmm. So how the heck did you get into this? Like what, what was your, what drove you to find this niche? Oh, brother. That's a great question. <laughs> Um, what did you escape from? So you can do this thing that you're passionate about. That (laughs) is the better question. So I've always sold stuff. You know, that's how I made a living for 20 years. Um, and this, this has been my secret sauce forever. You know, I've always kind of done it. So I, I'm at the point where I, I own this, I do it in my sleep. You know, I don't have to even think about it. Um, and the largest contract I sold using, I, I developed this into a, a process. So it's a written process. It's 12 steps. It's a, it's a very logical way to do it. All psychological and behavior driven, of course. But once you learn how it works, like, holy crap, it's like your jaw drops open. But I've done it for, for my whole life. Um, the largest contract I sold on this was $100 million. But I've done it for, you know, again, for a long time. And then to answer your question, it's like, why? I got sick and tired of selling someone else's stuff mm-hmm. and working for the man, the corporate America guy, and where they just changed the rules and they, they tried to keep people um, harnessed. Yeah. Kind of chained to the system and you, they don't want you to go anywhere mm. really. I mean, so I was like number two in the previous company that I was with nationally. And so they just changed the rules. So now I have to work even harder. You're like, you're like, you get punished for, for doing well. Mm. Yeah. And, and I didn't like that feeling. So Are you describing what I would call like, cause this is one of the challenges I had with working for somebody else as well. Like the idea of Parkinson's law, that the work will expand to fill the time available for its completion. It's like, it didn't matter how effective yeah. you were. It just mattered what you looked like when you were doing it, that you were busy. 
that you filled your time well, that you were working hard, that you were super engaged in what was going on. And the problem with that is the work always just expands to fill that up. Well, not only that, it not only expands, they, they do it to where I have to do even more work to make the money I already made. Yeah. Then I had to go beyond that. Mm -hmm. And when does it end? I've heard this a lot about and and people complaining about systems changing, you know, with technology, there's another thing factor thrown in there, you know, the system changed and the the software changed, you know, this wrenches in the works and sort of, so, so that flexibility has to be present in a person's life to even uh, stay with the corporate world. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, again, it's, uh, it's what you want. Think about what you want. Yeah. So what's the wildest or what's the wildest thing you've ever uh, sold? Like what's something you say? I used to sell combs to es- or, uh, well, uh, igloos to Eskimos or, you know, what was it that you sold that was just out there? I don't know if it was out there. It was, it was technology solutions. So it can be anything. It's, it, uh, it, could, it could be morphed into whatever. But did you have a lemonade stand as a kid? Uh, where, did, where did you grow up? I did. I have a lemonade stand. I had no, I had a bourbon stand. No, just kidding. Nice. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, oh, wow. in a little Italy area. Oh, wow. You know, being Italian and all, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my dad, this is interesting. So I, I guess I was brought up with entrepreneurs. Yeah. So my dad, you know, he walked away from his giggy at an a, at a advertising company, started his own. And so I worked there for like 12, 13 years. Yeah. Um, right out of high school, actually during high school. And then we kind of went different ways, but I learned about, this crazy thing called the internet. Mm. I was like, wow, I, I think this is going to be a game changer. Um, yeah. So uh, my, my neighbor, they had a, uh, a gallery and a frame shop, you know, my other guy, my other neighbor was a, uh, a pilot, you know, so he flew for different kind of companies, stuff like that. So we were kind of always doing our own thing. And so I was okay with that because it made sense. That's how we grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have this blue collar thing where you check in and check out, uh, punch in, punch out, and then you're home. Um, that to me is really boring. That doesn't, it, 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 in my eyes, at least it doesn't make you, um, achieve anything beyond what that job is able to produce for you. So you're limited. Mm -hmm. I don't want limits. I don't want rules. I don't want the boxes that we're trained to live in the boxes that we were trained in school to think in. That's, why we're stifled. I don't know if you guys realize that, but we live and think in boxes because that's how we were taught. That's all limiting. There's the problem with that. So we start to develop these scripts as kids about how life works and they're not right. They're wrong. They are absolutely wrong. And I think a lot of cases is designed to keep you in the system. Here's proof. Here is living proof. I don't, I don't talk out of my rear end and just make stuff up. This is factual. I got the stuff that we teach. I have documentation from here to the moon, but think about this, about school, for example, why is it that they don't teach basic finance? Yeah, this is a very interesting point. And my wife has talked about this before. Like, why don't they teach things that we as parents should be teaching our kids how to manage your money, how to wisely invest your money, how to just personal finance in general, simple stuff, like household stuff. Yeah. Like anything, like if you went to a financial coach, the same stuff that you would get great advice from somebody that's 
can profit from you making more money. You get better advice from a financial coach. That's true. Than you would from, they just, it doesn't like we, my daughter just learned how to sew a pillow. Like, and that was the thing. These are the options for them, you know? (laughs) Well, but my point is, you know, think about this, that we're, we're being taught at a young age. And when we're very young, I did a, I did a, a really interesting presentation a few weeks ago to a group. It was called mind your business. I love the title, but then as that presentation unfolded, it started with when we were born, you know, we didn't have any scripts. We didn't know, right. We didn't know wrong. We were, we're a blank slate. We're observing. Yeah. And from observing, we're, um, we're learning things and starting to make decisions about, you know, what I believe, what I don't believe. And we get influenced parents, so on and so forth. Kids, uh, your friends, teachers, hello. They spend more time with teachers than parents because both parents are working now. Mm-hmm. So now we're being scripted in the public school systems with the government curriculum. Part of that curriculum does not include understanding how a credit card works. Understanding basic finances. Do you, you know, think about it. I, my daughter's 13. I told her this. I said, look, a credit card isn't free money. It's a high interest short-term loan that you have to pay back. Yeah. That's also described as predatory loans. (laughs) I mean, think about this. We're not taught any of that in school. We're taught to think in boxes and do certain things and to live a certain way because we have to be in the system when we graduate to produce and we have to stay there. So it's almost like they're designing this to where they don't want you to think any further than that and kind of keep you stupid to some degree to stay in the system. The best way to do that is to keep you obligated. That's why student loans are so popular. Student loans are keeping people in the system because they have to think about that. So it starts when we're kids. We don't know. We're just believing we're being taught the right things. So we go down that road. Now, We all know now because of the media, what a problem it is for student loans. But think about it. Who's the winner in the whole higher ed situation? The The lender. It creates, well, here, (laughs) it creates the the, the higher institutions. They're creating the curriculum because of demand from these companies. We need this. We need that. And like you mentioned, technology keeps changing. So we need more engineers. We need more developers for these types of things. Right? So- out of the commercial demand is the degree programs that's coming out. So that's when these kids get brought into that. And it's like, I want to get a degree in this. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's the, the triad is the student, the university and the companies that are in creating the demand. The only winner in the triad is the school. They're the only one that got paid. Mm-hmm. The students in debt can't find a job. And the employer isn't going to guarantee they're going to get hired. If they do, it's on their terms for less money. And the average tenure for a job now is about 18 months to four and a half years. It's shrinking. It's not going to get easier. It's getting worse. So all of these things all go together. So if you look back at, you know, it all comes out to at the end of the day, what is it that I want? What do I desire? Whether you are afraid to start a business, I was afraid to do this for years. I wanted to do this for 15 years. This is nothing new in my mind. I was just terrified to do it. And I found out that there's never a good time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something always comes up. 
And, and you're working against every script that's been. You are, and, it's, and then right you now. then you're feeling like I don't feel good about this because of all of that, all those scripts. So it's like they said, don't do this. They said, don't do that. But what about the risk? What about all these things come pouring into your head, and you just you just don't do it. Hmm. We do what we think and believe to be normal. What does that mean? So, and and again, that's that's. But that's part, part of the whole thing. Yeah, that's kind of what you were talking. Cause when we first met, we met at a networking thing and we started talking about, I think just initially like behavioral science right away, which I was happened to be reading a book, which I found was very interesting about what you were talking about. And I love the idea that there are things that are factual scientific facts about the way that we act and behave that if we understand them, we can leverage them to help others to help ourselves and to help us get over the things that right. are stopping everybody. And I think that idea, That's exactly of, right. that idea of normal is, is one of those things. Like we want to be normal because it's our human desire to fit in <laughs> and right. be surrounded by a tribe of people that can protect us. But we also all want to be abnormal when it comes to our lifestyle. We have goals and stuff that we would like to, and it just fights against each other. Um, uh, which is, I think, just super fascinating. Well, th this this is why it's insanity. It's pure insanity. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Um, the, I, I mean, I'm trying to already prep my daughter for this because, again, she's 13. They're going to start saying, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And she had no idea. That's the struggle I had for years. I had no idea. Right. I can tell you this, though. When I was seven-ish, something like that, I remember uh, coming here today. This is what... I thought about it. And I started laughing, but when I was seven, I had a little desk in my bedroom and I had made a microphone just like this on the desk. Cause I wanted my own show when I was seven. <laughs> so this is so funny. My, um, the wall behind me, it, uh, I had wallpaper on just one wall in the room and it was basically, it was, it looked like, um, just line art, hand-drawn like uh, faces. So if you look at this, no color, just black and white, just cartoons of an audience, just faces. The whole wall was a stage. I mean, my, my room was a stage. The wall was, was all the people. And I had my own thing there. It was the coolest thing. I was seven years old. And, you know, so I've, I've always wanted to do that. So, you know, back then they didn't have all this stuff was super expensive back then. You couldn't do it. And recording, you couldn't do that either. It was just like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just to record. Because I'm a musician, so I wanted to record music. Um, and it's it's kind of funny that that we you get down to the things that we wanted and appreciated and loved when we were kids. Where are those things now? Mm -hmm. They're still dormant. That's the problem. That's what I'm saying. It's like the people. Everyone has something they had interest in or passionate about as kids, yeah. and they never do it. It's just it gone. It's it's gone dormant. Why? Because they don't believe that that's a, that could be a real thing to do. Mm. They don't believe that that's because that's not normal. Right? What, what did you talk about in your seven-year-old show to your, your wall audience? <laughs> ah, my wall audience. What were your episodes like? You know, I, I yeah, so I was the early podcaster that no one yeah. knew about. You were, you were interviewing people. <laughs> I did. Today I did. on the show, we have my dog. I, I did this almost daily. I had a podcast when I was seven. It was a thousand years ago already. That's great. So um, I remember one thing that was kind of that continuing theme was I believed everybody has a story. Yeah. Not famous people because they were in a movie or on a TV show. I, I didn't care about those people. I cared about the guy walking down the street that I didn't know. 
that guy's got a story. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to sit him down and say, hey, so, and just spend 30 minutes with some strange person that you don't know and listen to their story. It's probably pretty incredible. That goes along with what I've always imagined. I've always had this thought like, man, everybody's face is different. (laughs) So many people on the planet, not one of them has the same face. Is that not amazing? And to go deeper, the story. I mean, the face and the story. Yeah. That is amazing. So your wall was covered in all these faces with all these stories. It was hilarious. Yeah. Well, you you were talking about your daughter feeling like you're worried she's going to start getting that question. And my daughter's getting those questions now too. Like, what do you want to do? And I think that's one of the scripts that's slightly off. Like, I wish somebody was asking our kids, and I think it's our responsibility as parents, who do you want to be? It's what, what are you passionate about? What makes you happy? What makes you come alive? What make, those are the things that you should do. The question about what you do is part of that kind of that system that you were talking about. What's your job going to be? Well, that's a totally different thing because you can have the same passion and the same drive and you can insert that into job a, do that for a while, insert that into job B. And the thing that's fueling you is completely different than most people working that job because it's not the result of the job. It's the thing that makes you come alive. And I think I can't think of a class just like personal finance that why aren't we giving our kids uh, personality tests and strength tests and helping them determine what they're good at so that they can start running down that path instead of the, me- the mode right now is kind of like, what sounds good. And when you're a kid, who knows what they want to be like with that herd mentality kind of kicks in and we're like, I want to be everybody else's. So like YouTube, is that good? Can I make money on YouTube? <laughs> well, here's what's changed with that. I mean, that used to be the train of thought, but here's the problem with that though. So when I was growing up, that's, that would have been more true. For example, um, you had these guidance counselors, which weren't a whole lot of guidance, if you ask me. So we had some choices. Yeah. We had some, some, some things to think about. Uh, Cause I believe that the first two years of, of, of college is really just exploration. Really. That's all the basic stuff. And you should dive in as deep as you can because I'm super excited to pay like 80 grand a year for exploration. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yay, Joe. But um, if you think about it, it was, it was the standard stuff, right? Uh, you know, uh, artist, which was me when, what are the chances of making that? Right. So it wasn't real sexy for me because I wasn't excited about the prospects of living in a refrigerator box under a bridge somewhere. <laughs> so I figured that's not a great option, but that's what my dad did for a living. Um, so it wasn't really realistic, really. So we have accounting, we have finance, we have a doctor, we have a lawyer, we have plumbers, we have, uh, and, and things like this. So the problem with that, my daughter's 13 and these guidance counselors really can't help because the problem is when, when, when her future of college comes up, that future is going to be jobs that we haven't even thought of yet. So there's more of the newer positions, newer kind of jobs that we don't even know what they are. Right. They're not here yet. So we have this gigantic, vague uh, future because you know, we don't know what we don't know. And what if something comes up that we haven't experienced yet? So we don't really know if we like it. We haven't seen it yet. They don't teach that in school because it's not here yet. Yeah. So there's more questions. There's more possibilities of the future than the standard, or I should say the normal jobs. Right. So there's more of the unknown than there are the, the, the known. So what do you, how do you do that? 
I think it ties back into what, what Joe presented about the asking of the, what, what kind of person they want to be and how they want to uh, make an impact in the world, that sort of thing, more on the character so that at least it can sustain the kids through until as those jobs change and then they can plug into something at that point that feels like it matches their value system or. Yeah. A lot of the successful people that we've had on the show mentioned a similar idea, which is when you know what your cause is and you can leverage what you do during the day or what your why is or what your story is, whatever phrase you want to use. That is the thing that will propel you through the muck and the mire that is work so that you will continue until the other part of the equation, which is plus time. Like we're rarely ever good at anything right away. Pick up a guitar, like try to teach your kid to play guitar. And then if they're like mine kind of where they're like, Oh, it's been like 10 minutes and I'm not good at this. I'd like to do something else. This is hard. Yeah. (laughs) Who said it? That's right. Mark Twain or uh, Einstein said the greatest force in the world is compounding interest. Was that one of those guys? Right. But that, that just doesn't apply to investing. That applies to like your, sowing into right Joe? yeah like what you're reaping into i don't know who yeah. said it but yeah it's compound interest yeah. well a, a, a time plus time yeah it's back to like yeah it, it kind of we circles back even from the beginning it's like you asked me what's you know why i'm doing what i'm passionate about but i've always wanted to just yeah. afraid to do it but i think that the thing to tap into is again what they don't talk about in school is what are your passions what 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 do you get excited about when, and, and I did another talk for another group uh, not too long ago, a week or two ago. And, um, you know, I, I, I asked this group, I'm like, look, you know, you started a business for a reason and you're probably passionate about what you do. And, you know, that's, that wakes you up out of bed. That's, it's, that's exciting for you. You're, you're energized. That's, that's making you feel productive. You're contributing to society. You're helping people out. And the downfall, and this happens almost a hundred percent of the time, they aren't great at selling what they do. Mm-hmm. They're great at delivering what they do, but they're not great at selling it. So the mission behind what I'm doing is to help these people be sustained and to continue what they're doing by helping them sell it better. Cause they can't continue what they enjoy doing if the bottom line is not growing. Hmm. So they need to have a, a a system that's scalable that they can learn and everyone else in that company can learn and they can grow with it. Otherwise they're not going to last. That's kind of the mission behind doing this. And I work, this is going to be really kind of crazy too. This whole thing kind of blossomed on its own, even though I've been thinking about it for 15 years. Um, What we think about what we is what we become, right? Mm -hmm. What you think about, most of the time, what, what you occupy your mind with most of the time is what you're going to get. You guys believe that? I think, I think it's for a lot of people, it's a challenging thing to believe because it sounds like mysticism and kind of new agey, like what you think about what you're going to believe, you're going to become it. And I think like, uh, in the Christian faith, it's more like name it and claim it. Like if I say like, I'm getting a new car, then you're getting a new car. But I think the part of it that that people overlook is that it's not magic. No, it's, it's predictive. Like when you're thinking like, I want to do this, you're predicting your behavior and causing yourself to act. Like when I want to go run the, if I put on my shoes and change my clothes, I'm going to go run it. I already did the thing. Like that was, that was the the predictive behavior. I took a tiny bit of action. I've never got on my shoes, got ready to run, put on my headphones and sat down and watched TV. 
It's just, it's, that, that's right. I mean, and, and that's my point. It, it, it's almost, it's almost so simple. It's an unbelievable thing. Mm-hmm. And, but see, again, this is what people aren't taught. We're taught to do a thing, right? I don't get paid for what I do. I get paid for what I know. There's the difference. I had that conversation with my 13 year old also, by the way. Yeah. But think about this law school. I don't care what it is. Um, practicing medicine, whatever it is, your, your ultimate goal is to graduate, but then you have to open a business. Do they know how to get clients? Do they know how to have customer service? No, they're not taught that they're taught medicine. They're taught, you know, how to do law stuff. (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, so that's the things that those are the things that are missing. They're trained to be employees. They are. They're trained to be employees And, and really think, how do you think like an employee? How do you, how do you go through years and years of education thinking like an employee? Cause I think you're right. But then I want to open my own business, but yet you have a mentality of an employee. How do you do that? That's the problem. And they haven't thought through. We had a guest on the show and he had a great point. He was like, all, a lot of people that start a business have actually just bought themselves a job because you never get out of that mentality. That's right. And That's so what happens. You just, you get enough busyness, like back to that Parkinson's law, you get enough busy work to justify the feeling like you have a business, but you really just paid for a job. That's true. No, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely. So again, this whole thing really boils down to the mindset. And, and that's why I, and I developed it around, you know, how to, uh, turn, how to teach people basically, uh, how do you have conversations and turn those conversations into clients? Yeah. That's an easy pill. And to you have a, so I know because you just invited me, you have, you're doing a presentation up at the frontier, right? About that very topic. Yeah, yeah that's right. You got a, what's the date on that? We'll put it on the, we'll put it on the I show I think notes. it's the 29th. What is Frontier? Frontier is a very interesting thing. It's in the RDU and it's essentially a free co-working place. Mm-hmm. So it's the 900 building or the 800 building. It's one of those hundreds. 800 Park Office Drive. 800 actually. Park Office Drive. There it is. Oh, cool. And so you can go up there and you can work, use their Wi-Fi and they got this cool first floor co-working space, but it's, you don't have to buy into it. But then it's surrounded by all these buildings that their hope is that you become so successful that you rent an office space from Correct. Them. And you can be in the offices above that floor. And they do fun stuff like the Thursdays, they have like a keg party thing. And is stuff it like near that. the airport? It's off. It's kind of like on your way up towards RDU. I don't okay. think it's off Davis Drive. Yeah, off Davis or Miami or one of those up there. That I, think it's, I think you get off Davis Drive and it's right there. If you search, I think it's just Frontier. I'll look at it. So up. you're doing a presentation there? Yeah, I am on the 29th. Interesting conversations that turn potential clients into clients. No, I mean, how, how to turn conversations into clients. How to turn conversations into clients. I have a question for you. What would you advise someone who is moving or transitioning from a freelance feast or famine, desperate to close mindset where everyone must say yes to a mindset where that is much more graceful and loving and seeking to understand the client. Not every client is a good fit mindset. How does someone make that transition? Talking to me, we'll do that. That's a good response. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, and again, it's a great question because at the end of the day, um, you produce whatever those deliverables are. Let's you fill in the blank. Um, and what we were seeking is the ideal client. So number one, it's not going to be everybody, first of all. And when I say 
how to have a conversation and turn those conversations into clients. That's a natural progression and how you learn it through this system. That's why it was designed. So it's not salesy. It's a systematic approach because of how we understand human behavior. So one of two things are going to happen. We're either a moving forward or B we're done. It was great to meet you. Great conversation. And we're kind of done. That's it. I would rather go for the no sooner than later. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really having that focus, have fun doing it mm-hmm. in a very relaxed, using your personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the system and the process does not change ever. Mm. And it's designed where it cannot go backwards. It's pretty amazing. Uh, like I said, this, this thing I'm doing on the 29th is I do it once a month over there. It's amazing because at the end you can hear a pin drop. Everyone's jaws open and they don't know what to say. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, th- what they've seen is what they've lived and they didn't see where the holes are until I reveal it to them. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Can't you just give all the secrets now so people don't have to go see you? <laughs> <laughs> and you can just send them to the podcast. <laughs> we should send them to the podcast and we'll put this on LinkedIn too. Yeah. So I looked it up. It's May 29th at 11 a.m. At, at Frontier in the 800 building there. And I think you can get your tickets on Eventbrite. I think they're, right. they're yeah, like they're on Eventbrite. $14. It's a yeah, pretty I can't limited remember. 12 investment. bucks or something like bucks. that. I can't remember. And you can go check that out if you happen to live in the triangle. Um, this is what I find so interesting. And I would love to hear your opinion on this. There's, there's kind of a, there's a challenge that people have when it comes to, or a negative connotation when they think about a salesman mm. or a saleswoman. Yeah. Like you think like used car salesman. We were talking about this when we were hanging out at the Fox and the Hound up there. That's at right. Networking event. Yeah, that's right. Like there's something about what I do. I, uh, I help people with their media and their marketing and fundamentally websites. Right. That when I say that, there's like, there's, there's a reaction like, Oh, yeah, like you, you see it. In their oh, I get what yeah. you do now. And I'm not interested any longer because there's a negative perception, yeah. um, much like a used car salesman that there is this, like, I want to take your money and I want to sell you. But there's the, there's the other side of this, which is people love buying stuff. Yes. Like we love spending money, <laughs> spending we love power. Money. Yeah. Because it represents like, I worked hard for this money and now I get to spend it on what I want and what I want is this. And people love giving when they have a great experience with a company, they love giving a five-star review and they enjoy the entire process, but they will, the same people will often tell you like, I hate when people try to sell me stuff. Right. So that's that's exactly right. (laughs) But what I've learned from just doing a lot of networking in the last couple of months and stuff is there seems to be a difference in the mindset of somebody that's selling something that is completely different and joyful. If they realize that I'm actually going to help this person out and it's almost like their motive or their approach or something is completely different. People love buying from them. It's not gross, but they might sell the same thing that two people down sell that they find their sales process. So unappealing. So rub me the wrong way. Like, I don't like that at all. Um, and I have to imagine that it's, it's very much linked into some kind of behavioral science, but I also have to believe that it is so much based on the, the intent of the person. I think like, think it and what you become. Like mm-hmm. if you're think, if you go into a sale, like, man, I'm here to help this person. I'm going to make their life better. And that's a lot different than I'm going to make, you know, $450 off of them. If I can just convince them to buy my widget and move on with my life. Yeah. I think 
So how do you, for people that have kind of unlocked that, that mode, what are some of the tips and tricks or what are the, what are the, I guess would be the, the mindset changes that somebody in that seat knows what secret does that person know that somebody who is just selling for themselves to get something doesn't know. There's a lot going on there. Um, <laughs> my question, my question was like seven questions. I like the way you took that to the yeah pinpoint level. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Great. So, uh, wow. Where do I begin? All right. Let's do the perception thing first. So the perception in the general population of even, you know, I actually, it's funny you made, you mentioned this in, in, uh, in my workshops in class or whatever, I do this fun exercise like that. Um, and I have everyone, you know, just kind of clear their head for a minute and without thinking, I want you to shout out the first thing that comes to your mind when I say a word mm-hmm. and everyone says, okay, great. And you kind of gave it away. But one of the things was I say, okay, you ready? Just Let's have, do one. Can we do I, one right now? And I have, yeah, we can, I'll, I'll do it to you. No, no, to Joe and I both. All right. I already know I cheated. Yeah, he already, yeah, he cheated. Because <laughs> well, we one. talked about it at the, at the networking event. Okay, okay. So I usually have someone write on the board because I write like a doctor. Yeah. And I said, so, you know, without thinking, just, just let, shout out, just whatever's popping in your head. Okay. Ready? Salesperson. Nice. <laughs> You're so nice. <laughs> you, you met the most genuinely nice person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do it again. Is that the one word? It's not people's normal words. That's, that's the one word. So what else do you think about? Just, um, you're thinking too much. Just shout words out. You're thinking. Uh, suit, and, suit and tie. What else? Uh, go, suitcase. Go, uh, go, luggage go, rack. Go. Um, no, luggage. Doorknob. <laughs> um, doorknob? <laughs> well, they come what? to the door. There's a doorknob between the two of you, right? Like doors, oh door to door. door you're to door. a rare bird. You know no, <laughs> Milk. I love word association games. Well, you just failed that one. There is no failure in word association. Milk in a doorknob. That's really interesting. I bet those are two that you've never gotten when you asked that question before. Tell me, salesperson, what comes to your mind? Milky doorknob. I've never ever in my, I've been doing this for years. Never heard that. I I, I, I could play this game all day. Wow. I I start with my subconscious and then we get more conscious. (laughs) But it all makes, it'll all make sense. It all ties together. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does in your mind. I'm sure it does. So there's two, there's two sides to the perception thing. It's the general public for, except Josh and, uh, which is going to be pushy. Uh, it's usually negative. It's something pushy. I heard people say plaid jacket before. So you were close with the suit thing, but people typically say plaid jacket, a uh, used car salesman. Um, it's so fifties. What plaid jacket? These associations, plaid jackets, <laughs> um, stuffy. It's a fifties. Liar, cheat. Nowadays it's hipster. It's red wing boots, tight jeans, <laughs> you know, buy me, you know, money. They, Cause they were trying to make a sale on me. So that's the, that's the thinking behind it is being sold to yeah. giving me to buy something I don't want, you know, all these things. Cause it's all about you. You're yeah. trying to sell stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of true in the, in the corporate world, because a lot of them are driven by this metrics that you have to have all this metrics, these numbers to hit this, that, and the other, how many calls, how many emails blah, 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 and all that stuff. So they're measuring all these things that really, I think they're measuring the wrong thing that produces behavior that is not really friendly or not really going to be where we, where we need to go. So the perceptions in the general public, except Josh is they're pushy. Yeah. So when you're a business owner 
and you want to do what you're passionate about doing and you're sticking your neck out to do it because against the grain, most people think you're crazy for doing it, but you know what? I want to do this. I'm like, I got to give it a try. They don't want to wear that hat. Now they are like, Oh, I have to now sell this. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want the association of that perception. Mm -hmm. The general public, general public sees and views as a salesperson because that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to be that. So that's the first hurdle they have to overcome in their mind. Okay. The the other thing about, uh, about that is if you think about it, you mentioned a a key thing uh, before about helping people with their problems. Mm -hmm. That's really what we do as salespeople, right? We help people because, because of what we can produce, because of our deliverables, we can solve this for you. And we see that this is what's going on. Here's the problem with that. And this is why this does not work. This is not going to work. And most people think that it does work and it does not work. Here's why. Let's pretend for a minute that you have a really bad migraine. And I know that because we chatted our first conversation. The light's bright. You're kind of squinting your eyes because your head hurts. Mm -hmm. Usually if you have a migraine, you don't want lights on. Yeah. Right. And migraines are not like headaches. They're extreme headaches. They're really bad. But I have an aspirin that can fix a migraine. So we are having a conversation because suddenly you're a prospect of mine now, right? So I'm trying to sell you the aspirin because I know it's going to fix your migraine. Right. Your natural reaction to this is going to say, wait a minute. I don't really want your aspirin. I'm good. You're going to push back on the cure. Yeah, most people are pretty skeptical by nature. They're pretty skeptical, but here's why. This is what people don't understand. In your current state right now, in the lens of of how you view things, you are incapable to see what this aspirin can do. You are incapable to see what I know as providing the solution to your problem. You can't see it. You're incapable of viewing it at all. You don't have the right perspective lens, uh, view of reality. You're in your own where me, I can see 2020 based on uh, what I know this aspirin can do for that migraine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Are you describing what a lot of people would call, I can't see the forest for the trees. Like you're so, and that's the problem with that is so your job right then is not to give you the aspirin. It's, it's, it's almost backwards really, if you think about it, because that's really what he needs. But in order to really help the guy, don't give him the aspirin. I'm telling you, believe, hear me now, believe me later. That will be on my headstone at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> hear me now, believe me later. That, so in my program, <clears throat> and one of the, the key components in how this whole thing works, and I say this, I'll say this Thursday, if, you, if you're going to this thing on the 29th, um, I, do it off, I do it backwards. So I actually, in and, and most, and most cases, when people, you know, talk about their solution and, and, and get to this whole thing, they, they, they present this thing, the solution to the client or the potential client uh, and they close it right at whatever price and and they have to do the objection thing and all that. Then they go back to closing it again they have to go back and forth because they they're missing things. They're not doing it right. They don't have a sales process that much. I can tell you almost everyone you talk to, they do not have a sales process. The process that they have really and the training that they've had is all product training. Yeah. They don't have this. So what we do is, we close the sale first before we present anything. 
We do it backwards. It's crazy, but it works. So that's, that's it's a very abstract approach. It's, um, so what an example of doing it backwards with the, the migraine pill be? Mm-mm-mm. Oh, like I said, I, I, the answer is to not give it to you. And the, and the secret, this, the secret sauce behind this, I, I, it's really hard to, to get into all of this without going another hour and a half on it. But there's, there's things that have to take place in your mind that I'm going to be responsible for to help you see, because you are not in the state to see it yet. For example, here's, here's what I mean by that whole state thing, not to freak people out, but this is, this is true. And, and you'll see this once you're, once you're suddenly aware of this, then you're going to start to see it. Okay. For example, you know how people go from one meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. and notice how some of those meetings are not greatly organized. They're not real productive. Right. Um, yep, you're describing meetings. Yes. I know, right? <laughs> well, part of that is the pause doesn't exist because we're running so much. And I even coach people. I said, look, when you schedule a meeting, give yourself five minutes before and after the meeting starts and ends. When you, when you go in, before you go in, you need to get yourself right in your head before you walk in that door. Because you got other stuff on your mind that's coming up, already happened, what you're trying to accomplish at this, you're going crazy. Your mind is filled with stuff, a lot of noise. The goal is to remove the noise and to be completely neutral, which is not easy to do. Believe me, there's a whole practice around neutrality that I do. It's enormous. Um, And once you do that, you'll be a lot more productive. But the problem with doing that wrong is if let's say if it's just you and I Mm -hmm. having that meeting, I'm clear and I'm in a new state now, but you're not. Right. It's got to be 100%, not 50-50. That's the other problem. These are the things that we work on. That's I have never, ever experienced in any sales training thing I've ever been involved with, ever. This is the, this is the stuff that actually works. Not lip service, not stuff that you're going to read out of a book. You actually have to do it. The cool part about me working with these people, whether it's in a group setting or one-on-one, is... Part of the requirements after we sign off on an NDA, by the way, one of the requirements is that you're bringing those sales cases or leads to the table, like real things that you're working on. And you're rehearsing and practicing these tools and techniques to a close. That's pretty powerful. So my, you know, the, 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 the fee for working with me on this basically goes away because now you're, you're, the whole point of this is to make money. I don't want, I'm not a cost. I'm actually the advantage. The tools and the techniques and the secrets are the advantage. It pays for itself because you'll make twice that back, maybe three times that back. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this conditioning. It, it's nothing that can happen in 10 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's conditioning, but it's really understanding. Like we said before, all the three of us here have plenty of experience dealing with people, right? Um, we know how they respond to things. We've seen it. We've observed it. But the question is, if we really learn to understand how like the behavior works, do you think you can influence the outcome? Yes or no? Yes. Mm, 
Yes. That was it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where you're. You ask a lot of questions and that one was obviously directed for a response. So it, I, it, and I it, caught that. It was. I, was just, I was just inviting the pause there and it worked. Everything yeah. Worked. So that is kind of the reason uh, that those kind of uh, techniques work. Yeah. So you're getting into the weeds of um, functionality of the mind. And I think there's still, there's still going to be that because I'm fighting it too right now. There's still that like, oh, you're trying to influence me because you're a bad salesman. Like there's, this reminds me of this Albert Einstein quote. It's like, he said, reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta love that, right? We all know that (laughs) there's probably a whole realm behind the realm that we're looking at. And if we could understand that, then we could help ourselves and others get to the place that we want to be and Correct. we could help other people out, but there's something so in, ingrained in us that just wants us to feel like so cynical about everything or that, but then we celebrate the people that seemingly break all the rules and they're the ones that everybody really likes to <laughs> mm-hmm. like Bill Gates dropping out of high school, starting an IBM kind of stuff. And we're like, but none of us would probably tell our kids like you should drop out of high school and start a, start a thing in your garage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a, a treadmill that we put ourselves on. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's really kind of like you were mentioning before how you don't really see it until you see it, uh, or you don't see similar people or you don't see other situations until you find yourself in them. And I think going from a full-time job to doing this for the last five months now, um, it has been an exercise in changing mindset Mm -hmm. and, um, it's a practice it's ongoing. Yes. Yeah. Like right now, even this conversation and those that are listening or whatever, you are unconsciously incompetent in everything I'm saying. I guarantee you. Right. The goal is to be unconsciously competent in all of it. And that's the cycle of learning I bring people through. They have yeah. to understand how that actually works first. See? So another kind of way, if, if that maybe went over your head a little bit to think about it, is like when you start, we'll use the guitar again. There's one hanging on the wall behind me here. When you start playing guitar, everything is wrong. Your fingers don't know where to go. You don't know how to make it make the right noises. You're not even really having fun. You get to the point where you can play your first song and then you just play that for like six weeks straight. And then you get driving everyone in the house crazy. You memorize the chords. (laughs) You keep at it. Eventually you become unconsciously competent. Like you were saying, like if you play for 10 years, now you can just hear a song on the radio, grab that guitar and get real close. And you keep playing for longer and you start learning how to play by ear. And there's a change that happens, but it only happens through reps. Where it's like, and I think we, we mentioned this in a couple episodes back, like if your goal was to be an author and you're not an author, well, if you write and you write every day, then there's a point in your brain where your brain switches and says, I'm an author, but it's a, it's not a one-time thing, right? It's a collection of experiences and behaviors that have changed a mindset. Right. And, uh, that's, that's tricky for people to put in context. Cause it sounds again, maybe like a little bit of new age foo, but you've done it in your life. Like yeah, you've it's got, really not, yeah. you've learned skills and you've become what you are. Right. And you did that yeah. thing. And that's why people pay you. And you thought about it first. And you thought about it first. These things happen all the time, but all they the feel time. like foreign ideas and they feel like, uh, like, like things that we want to push back against because reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. <laughs> And, and here's another good example. So for example, let's say you move to a new house. So 
You Josh, you're moving to a new house. That is correct. Imagine it. Uh-huh. I'm with you. Imagine. <laughs> so you have your GPS set to the new address because mm-hmm. you're unsure mm-hmm. and you want to learn different routes, whatever. Mm-hmm. So now let's say you moved in and uh, you've been there for three years. You don't need the GPS anymore. My wife <laughs> still would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Depends where you're coming from. Uh, yeah. So, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm with you. So, let's say you're you're running around town, meeting to meeting, and you had some. You had a really productive day, and you're thinking about how cool this stuff was. That's I think in the car, in the shower. Those two, my two thinking places are the shower and the car. I don't know why. Are you naked in both? <laughs> uh, only in the shower. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. But Thank notice, you. but notice when you're in that 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 thought mode, you know, driving in your car, um, and you suddenly just end up in your driveway. <laughs> And you don't, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't really remember. Isn't that kind of dangerous? Trip. But do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was even you stop at the stoplights, you're still you did yeah, all yeah, the yeah, things. You, you the just things. don't remember, but yeah. Yeah, that's because you are unconsciously competent to the direction to get there. You that's don't have right. to think about it. You that's just go right. and you that's just right. suddenly show up in the driveway. Yeah. So that's is there a phrase for it? Because like there's muscle memory. Is there a phrase for yeah. like the like a behavioral muscle memory? That's kind of it. Yeah. You yeah, should coin it. You should make one up. Yeah, I should make one up because that one's kind of hard to swallow. It's called Lonley. <laughs> <laughs> the law of Lonley. Lonley's law. Oh, that's awesome. Now, now I hope that doesn't stick. I really hope <laughs> that doesn't go law. anywhere. But yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's why it takes a while, but once you do it, you own it. Mm-hmm. it you never forget it. Right. And yeah. you keep going back to your, your, your home at night without remembering the trip. That's why they say it just becomes part of what you do. Yeah, that's why they say you never forget to ride a, how to ride a bike, right? That's what they say. It's, it's true. It's true in my experience. Is it yours? True? Yours too. I mean, I bet I could ride a bike right now. The odds are pretty high. <laughs> 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 I think I could become less gifted at it over time, but it's not that tricky of a thing. No, it's really not. Yeah. Well, again, I just want to remind people, if you happen to be in the triangle, May 29th, so that's going to be close from when this episode goes live, he is teaching another version of this class that you said you do once a month. I try to get there once a month. Try to get there once a month up at Frontier, up in RTP at 800 Park Office Drive in, I think that's Raleigh, it would be the address. But um, And you can find out about it by going to rtp.org and looking on the events or just Google search how to turn conversations into clients. I think the tickets go through Eventbrite or you can check out more on your website, which is uh, cbs-nc.com. I really had a lot of fun talking to you. I like that. Uh, this is reminding me of that conversation, uh, the TED talk that JJ Abrams gave, and he just refuses to tell somebody the answer because in his childhood, like he got this mystery box um, and the thing that made it a mystery box is he didn't know it was in it. <laughs> oh, and so like he was very, as a, as a TV producer, people found it very frustrating. Like a lot of people don't think that lost ended well. And what JJ Abrams said that he doesn't do that. A lot of people, other people do is they'll write the end first and then just write there. But he likes to keep it a mystery. <laughs> I, are you saying I kept this a mystery? Yes. Mystery <laughs> man. I think you kept the, the answers that you're going to get into more detail in mystery. I like I how you did that. That's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. This has been great. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming yeah, in, man. Yeah, really funny. Hey, thanks for the invite. Yeah. Next time we got to play it stuff. I'll bring my mandolin next time. I mean, come oh, on. Oh yeah, the mandolin. We didn't even talk about your musical I, talents. I, did, I didn't know that you, you played. You kept it a secret. Yeah. That's a mystery. I only knew that there walking it in. It's like, oh, there's a guitar on the wall. Oh, crap. I wish I had my mandolin with me. I have an electric one, too. Oh, do you? Yeah. It's called a Mando Bird. Remember the Gibson Firebird? Yeah. It's like that. 
So it's got the shape to the it's, Oh, it's exactly <laughs> like that, but miniaturized. <laughs> That's awesome. It's really cool. Josh, what do you play? I play the table drum. <laughs> well, I have something for you. It's a box drum, the cajon. Do you ever see that? Uh, I've, yeah. Are you going to show me your cajones? <laughs> no! Oh, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. It's the TMI. <laughs> it's, a, it's a box drum. A cajon. Yeah, it's, they call it a cajon. It's well, like, maybe by it's the a next Latin time, maybe by the next time our listeners tune back in, we have formed a band, and it will be <laughs> sweeping the nation. I love that. Hey, honey, if you're listening, we're getting a band back together. <laughs> That's something I like about you. You have the musical talent and the behavioral, the behavioral expertise too to bring. You're applying that to business and helping people with that those, yeah. those skill sets. That's impressive about you, Londi. And weird. Oh, and weird. Yeah, <laughs> you're just enough weird to make everything work. You know, <laughs> you have the recipe and the cooking yeah, talent. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, really enjoy talking to you man yeah hey thank you much you've been thanks everybody for listening thank you for listening to the guys who do stuff podcast visit guys who do stuff.com you probably shouldn't google that